Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. And we know that it's talking about the children of Israel, you know, when they're wandering in the desert. They went into the land and they, you know, the word says that they gave an evil report of unbelief and they didn't believe that God could go forth on their behalf and do it. And, you know, I just feel this morning that God's saying, what are you believing for? What are you believing for this morning, church? You know, he gave heaven's best when he sent his son. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Will he not also freely give you all things? Amen. So I want to ask you that question, what are you believing for? And we know that the word says that he wants to do above and beyond what we can even ask or think or imagine. So what you're believing for, he wants to do even more than that. (laughs) And you know, sometimes when we're believing for things and we've got a situation going on, we can get a bit bogged down in our own, you know, our own stuff, right? And that's where this morning, I just feel like I want everyone to pair up in twos and we're only going to take a minute or two to do this. It's not going to be a big, long thing. But I just want you to go and pray for someone. You know, go and release your faith over someone else's situation. Sometimes a freshly spoken word from God through someone else is just what we need. Amen? So just take a few minutes, guys, and just go and pray for someone. Be sensitive to what God wants to do and just go and pray for someone. If you're not comfortable doing this, one of the pastors can possibly uh, see who doesn't have someone and I want you to go and pray for someone. It can be someone that you come with that's completely fine and just take a minute to go and pray for someone. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Wow, there's such power in agreement, hey? You know, it's how God designed the body of Christ. The Bible says when two or more agree, it shall be done. You know, we as individuals come into agreement with the Word of God, but then, hey, let's bring other people along and say, would you agree with me? You know, it's easy to find people to complain with you. (laughs) but you need to find people that are going to agree on the Word of God with you. Amen. Many parts, one body. Hallelujah. Woo. Alrighty. So this morning, guys, we've got something a little bit different because our senior pastors are away. Uh, Pastor Jenny and I have actually just returned from Israel. So... It was an amazing trip. Honestly, I was saying to um, my husband, I'm like, I don't think I could ever go on a holiday where you just go and sit by the pool now. After doing that, you know, going to the land of the Bible, I'm like, a pool holiday kind of sounds boring. (laughs) So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to tag team. Pastor Jen's going to come up first and just share. I've got no idea what she's going to share about. She doesn't know what I'm sharing about. But we're just going to show you different locations and just, you know, different things that God spoke to us while we were there. So let's give Pastor Jenna a clap as she comes up. So we get Pastor Pete's clicker while he's away. That's pretty cool, <laughs> hey? So who knows how far Israel is? It's so far, isn't it, from here? Like we left on Monday, Monday about lunchtime and got back to Perth about Wednesday, 5.30 a.m. in the morning. And then who knows how far Broome is from Perth? So then I jumped in a car with my daughter and three grandkids on Friday morning and got back yesterday, 5.30pm. So 
It's, it's a long way, isn't it? Those from Tasmania know Broome is just the opposite end of Australia, isn't it? But this morning, 5am, three grandkids dropped and you know, jumped in the bed with me. My hair was here. I, like, I, it was like, oh. I was like, I'm home. Hey, this is so good. The sun's coming up. You're in your own bed. It's just wonderful. And we had a wonderful time. But who knows, when you come home, it's so good, isn't it? Amen. And we live in such a blessed country. It's, you know, we just kept saying it, you know, like we are so favoured with God. We live in such a blessed country. Uh, just, I just love the politeness, you know, of Australian people, you know, like everyone here, you know, we, it's just such a lovely feeling that when you bump into someone, someone goes, excuse me, I'm sorry. And we, you know, it's just, I don't know, there's just a lovely friendship we don't even know people they just are polite and the coffee is always good you know where to get a good coffee it's not you're struggling to find a good coffee that was one of the things when we actually talked about what perhaps was we love so much about our trip to Israel what was one of the things that maybe you didn't love so much and that was like when you go you've gone all morning walking it was hot over there and you go and you get a hot cuppa and you were just sitting down and you're looking forward to that wonderful cup of coffee in the morning and it just does not taste the same. Because the milk's different in every country. The water's different in every country. So it was like, oh, yes, give me my cup of tea in the morning, my pot of tea. So I am going to go first up and talk about our trip to Israel. So I'm just going to go. Pete's actually got a new clicker, Pastor Pete. So let's see. Oh, thanks, Johnson. So I'll just have a little practice. Oh, yep, got it, got it. And I just want to go back. Don't want to show you that before. We're ready. Okay, so we went June, July. And when Jess and I went, we went with 40 other people. And there was actually a theme to our tour. We went with part of Victory Life Church in Perth. And we went with um, Kelvin Crombie. Some of you may have heard of him or know him. And he had lived in Israel for 25 years. He's a Christian man, became a Christian over there, had all his children and he's moved back here. So he took the tour and another Israeli lady. So they were both Christians. So that really impacted on our trip. We went with all Christian people. You know, every day we prayed together before we went out. Every day we had worship. Every day we had communion together. It was an amazing trip of unity through the Holy Land. So we had a theme before we left. Kelvin said, what we're going to do is we're going to go around Israel and we're going to be following the footsteps of Jesus and where he walked in those areas. We're also going to be going in the footsteps of Abraham and where he walked because who knows that God first made a covenant with Abraham that impacted on us and then Jesus came to earth and brought the new covenant when he became a sacrifice on the cross. So that was really a great sort of theme to follow through Israel. And also we were going to follow in the footsteps of the Anzacs because the Anzacs, the Australian and New Zealand armed forces, when they fought in First World War and Second World War, had a big impact, were very much a part of freeing up areas of Israel that were held by the Turkish at the time. And... And that really impacted the turn of the war because they gained stronghold, so strongholds in Israeli country. And so 
they're very honoured over there. And so we followed those footsteps as well, where the army went. And they often crossed over. The, as you know, it's not a huge country. I think it's 250 kilometres from north to south. Very different from Australia. And not, and not as, you know, in width, it's not very wide either. So we could travel from top to bottom quite easily and across... Um, side to side. And the other part of the um, theme was that we were going to look at all of this in the lens of covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham, the covenant when Jesus came and made the new covenant with us and the impact because they're now, because we fought there as Anzacs, there's actually, you know, we, there's a flow on of blessings that impact us in Australia and New Zealand as a result of us being part of that. So I just wanted to have a look. This is what God um, had me read. When I actually was sitting in Jerusalem and thinking about um, bringing this this morning, so the morning before we left, God said, look at, um, I want you to look at Genesis 12 and what, I, what God said to Abraham when he was 75 years old and not living, he was living in Iraq, in Ur, and God said to him, Abraham, leave your country, leave your relatives and your father's home and go to a land that I am going to show you. So he's 75 years old. He packs up everything when God says this and he goes. That's not an easy thing, is it? That's a huge thing. But this is the promise that God says to him. He says, this is not what I may do, but this is what I, I will do for you when you go to that land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. Not, you know, you're going to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. That's a real promise, isn't it? Already he's cutting covenant with Abraham, which he later on actually goes and does perform. But here is, is, there is a covenant because he's promising him these things. And we know that God doesn't renege on his promises. He is faithful to his promises. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So when we come into covenant with Jesus and we accept Jesus in our life, we also are grafted in to this same covenantal blessing. So we are part of that. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. We are blessed because we are in relationship with Jesus, because we've accepted him in our life and because we're then grafted into the covenant, the same covenant, the same promise that God gave to Abraham. And it was so cool because as we went around, you know, we, we would see different sites. We saw um, Mount Moriah and we went, you know, to different areas where it was like, you know, these are the footsteps where Abraham travelled over this area and down here. We may not be in the exact spot, but this is the direction he came. And it was really awesome to have that talk about covenant and be in the area where the covenant actually was made. Further on in Genesis 15, this is when God cut the covenant with um, Abraham because covenant always had to be cut with the shedding of blood. He said um, to Abraham, bring me a, you know, a three-year-old heifer. He said, bring me a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And then he brought these to him, to God, and then God cut them down the middle. Because you know there has to be blood uh, when a covenant is cut. So when they cut them down the middle, of course, there was blood in the middle. Then Abraham, as you read on further, I'm not going to... Um, 
I'm just going to paraphrase, when Abraham was put into a deep sleep and um, a flaming torch and an oven passed through the middle and it was God passing through and making that covenant, searing that covenant so that everything he promised Abraham has to happen. It was, you know, guaranteed. I have made a covenant. You, I'm going to bless you, those who bless you. I will bless those who curse you. I will curse. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. It was seared. But there was also, they were living under the Torah, remember, back then. There wasn't the New Testament. Christ hadn't come and they were living under the law. So as we travelled on, we were talking about this as we went and we looked at many places. This is one of the places in, many places look like this in Israel. And if you go to somewhere like this, there may be underneath 20 layers of other towns and cities that have been built upon. And as they often excavate, they find the foundations of earlier cities and buildings. So it's, this is very much the landscape in Israel. We went to many, many churches. We went to, you know, churches where, you know, they believe that some of the apostles went. We, you know, we went to a house where they said, we think this is Peter's house. There's no guarantee it was, but it's like, this is where we feel it is, you know. So we went to other chur- lots of churches where they even had, underneath they had caves and tombs you could go under. One we went under where they believed actually Jesus was born. So they actually went under a cave in a church and on one side they were like, well, this is where we believe Jesus was born and this is where we believe he was put in a manger. And you should have seen the crowds trying to get in that room. It was quite amazing, wasn't it, Jess? There was pushing and shoving because, you know, people really wanted to get close to where they believed Jesus was born. People would even touch the area. And it wasn't guaranteed that was the area, but they believed this was pretty close and it may be the area. People would touch and pray and, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see. More churches, more churches... There were churches everywhere and everyone knows the Wailing Wall. You can see that there. We went to the Wailing Wall. You could often go to the Wailing Wall. In the back, you can see the Dome of the Rock where they believe, you know, Solomon's Temple and the Second Temple were and now the Dome of the Rock is built on that place. The Wailing Wall, the very foundations when they went down are foundations that would have been around the original, you know, Solomon's Temple, not the top layers, just the very, very bottom layer. And you see people here the Orthodox Jews, and they're, they're, very, um, they're very passionate, they're very peaceful people. It was fam- a lot of families there, they were very joyful, and they were very religious. They would, um, they would, you know, wail almost and, you know, cry out with singing, and the men went to one section, didn't they, Jess? And the women went to the other. Jess nearly went down the men's section and was quickly turned back. And they make little notes and they put them in the wall, believing that, you know, hoping that God will answer their prayers. You see people touching the wall and they do a movement, almost like a headbanging movement, the ultra-Orthodox Jews. And it's like, it's like, I said, what's that? And it's like, we're, you know, they're atoning. They're atoning for their, their sins or it's an atonement movement. But they would move for, oh, like 10 minutes. It was, you know, it was, it was very interesting to see so we often went to the Wailing Wall, but it was, it was joyous. The, you know, the Jewish people are very happy to talk to you if you ask them questions. And, but it was, um, it was peaceful. 
Garden of Gethsemane. I'm just showing you these because I'm just going to come to a point in a minute. So the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what they believe is the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane and it's, it's uh, fenced off. So you can't go in, but you can see it's a small area there. next, Not far from the Mount of Olives where we went. That's again the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, so we went there and, of course, hordes of people were there as well. We went to this area, which is near the garden tomb, where they believed Jesus' body was laid after he was crucified. And this here, I don't know if you can make it out, but this is where they believed Jesus was crucified, Golgotha. And they called it that because um, it was resembling of a skull. And you can see here, it's almost like an eye and an eye and a nose. And that's why they believe that area is probably where he was crucified, somewhere around that area. When you see pictures that were taken before, there's some erosion happened. It's more distinct. There's eyes and nose, and it, it does look like a skull. But, I mean, it was interesting to see. Whether or not that was the actual site, they're not sure. But So seeing all those sites, I don't know if anyone's moved, if they've sold their family home and then moved to another family home. When I grew up, we probably moved three times. And sometimes my brothers and sisters and I, whoever was around, would go past the old family home and we would drive past because we grew up there and we loved it and there were so many things happened there. You've got many memories. But when we went past that family home, it was like nothing. It was like, oh, well, it's nothing because we're not in there anymore. We're not there. There's no presence of us. And so it was sort of an empty thing. And it was wonderful to see those sights of all across Israel, amazing sights. And Jess has probably got better pictures. I just did this quickly last night. But when I went there, I felt, it's wonderful, but God, you're not in these places. I don't know what I was expecting. And it's like he said, don't, because, you know, he, where, he's in us. He's like, you carry me wherever you go. It's wonderful to see these things, but I'm in you. And so there was like maybe, you know, Maybe that's where God was crucified, Jesus was crucified. Maybe that was the tomb where he was laid. But there's not a feeling because his presence isn't there. It's in us. So that was a real, you know, that was like, why aren't I feeling anything? But that was the reason. It was like there's nothing to feel. It's really just you're looking at it. It's interesting. It's amazing. It was wonderful to walk where maybe Jesus walked. But his presence is in us and we're to carry that out and be the light to the world, aren't we? And so... This next scripture, this is what I got. When? Let's try the other way. Ah, oh, your way. Thanks, Johnson. Ah, oh, there we go. So, this is the scripture. This is what I thought God was saying. Um, to me, in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, and we probably all know this, what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God? And what was happening at the Wailing Wall, it was almost like idol worship because it was like, come on, God, you've got to do it. You've got to answer my prayer. It was like, it was almost like works, I felt. And I'm not knocking the people. You know, they're beautiful people, the Jewish people, but it was a real eye-opener of like, we are so blessed. We are in the new covenant with Jesus and we have access to the Holy of Holies directly now. When Jesus came and died for us and was resurrected, there was a new covenant that was shed through his blood for us. So we're not under the old covenant anymore. We're under the new covenant and we have that direct access. 
And it's just, you know, it's a wonderful thing. We all know it, but it's just wonderful to know that we don't have to be stuck in the old. And even with the ultra-Orthodox Jews, we were were asking the tour guides. Now, some wore, I don't know if you've seen it, their, um, what are they called, Haddish, Haddish Jewish people, Haddish, what's that word? There's a word for them. And they wear this big fur hat. It sits high on their head, like this high. And they have, of course, the locks, and they dress in black suits. They're very distinct. You know, they're very handsome. And, but they, they have come from Europe. After the Holocaust, many people came, the Jewish people came from Poland or places where they wore these outfits. And they've come to Israel, but they've carried from Poland what they wore there many years ago. And that's what they were saying to us. These people have moved here, which is great. You hear of Aliyah, the Jewish people coming home to Israel, but they've also carried the old and not come into the new. And so you, they've, they're wearing these, um, sort of, I'll call them outfits, but, you know, they're suits and special hats and they have special locks from when they lived in Poland, probably, you know, just after World War II. And there's another group, and they wear slightly different, and they've come from another area from, uh, in Europe, and they've moved back, done Aliyah, moved back, the Jewish people, to Israel, and they wear slightly different outfits. They have different sort of hats and black suits. Everyone's in black, long black robes, so, and sometimes stockings or white stockings and shoes. So it's like, also God was saying, you know, like, we're in the new covenant and it, we're changing, we're being transformed and we're moving all the time. He's doing, we're a new creation. God's, he doesn't leave us where we are, does he? We're being transformed all the time. But it's, I just felt some people get stuck in the old, in the old covenant. And I just thank God that we have him and we carry him and we're going from strength to strength and glory to glory. And we're not, I'm not where I was two years ago or three years ago. Thank God, you know. <laughs> Part of our trip also was looking at the Anzacs and the impact the Anzacs had in freeing up places in Israel, like Bathsheba and Jerusalem. And you probably all know about the charge of the light horseman. There was horse, the light horse, light horse from uh, Queensland, there was light horse from WA, there was light horse from all over Australia, from South Australia, but I think it was the Queensland South Australian light horse, the 14th and the 4th, that freed up. Jerusalem, Bathsheba was the uh, West Australian light horse and they went in and they helped, they freed up sections. They worked with the British, they weren't on their own. The British army was there but the Anzacs joined the British army and they came in from different areas and regained the stronghold in Jerusalem. So the Australian and New Zealand forces are very honoured in those towns and it was really lovely to see. They had statues of Australian men, they had this, this picture up and plaques, they had movies, they had whole museums just about the Anzacs. So that was a wonderful thing. And I just think, you know, isn't that... We're so blessed in this country because God actually says in his word, he says, you know, pray for peace in Jerusalem. You know, and he said, what was the other thing he said to Abraham? I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And we blessed, you know, Israel by fighting for their freedom because they were under Turkish rule for 400 years and they had many strongholds. And they actually said when we were there that it was very strategic that they regained that land in Israel because of trade, because it was, a, you know, there's a big port there, because otherwise Germany and Turkish might have advanced and gained, you know, like across the Suez Canal. So it was a very strategic battle or battles that we were involved in.
And I tra we travelled with a couple of New Zealanders who wanted to put the All Blacks flag up. And that was, you know, that was okay. Oh, that's just a picture. It's very... The, the desert in Israel is very different to the desert in Australia. It's much rockier and harder and more hilly than the desert in Australia. And there's Jess and I. I don't know where that was. And, of course, we ate lots of good food. I have to show you that one. That's really important. We went out and had, you know... I was just saying this morning, you know, some of them on tour said, I can't eat any more hummus or falafel. I just want to go home and have steak. <laughs> but not me. <laughs> I just, this is really interesting. You know that Israel is surrounded by lots of borders. So we could look out here and see that little blue area in the corner. There's Syria just over there. So this was a point in the war. There were um, trenches there and old guns that we could go and have a look at. Because Syria is just over there. We went near the Lebanese border. You could see that. We could see Jordan across the Dead Sea. They are surrounded by borders. They are surrounded by Arab countries. With, you know, and we know there's a lot of unrest. And that's the picture of the Dead Sea. On the other side of the Dead Sea is Jordan. So that's like a part of border. And on this side it was um, Israel. We floated in the Dead Sea. That was interesting. And there's us. Behind us, I put this up because behind us, not because it's such a beautiful photo of Jess and me, but because behind it is the Megiddo Valley. The Megiddo Valley is what we know as Armageddon as well, Valley. So in what is said in Revelation, that in the final days, this is where all the armies from the north are going to travel down. They're going to gather together and they're going to march up to try and take Jerusalem. It's so peaceful and there's all this agriculture and it's hard to imagine that there is going to be a big gathering of an army to come against Israel, to take, to try and take Jerusalem. But that's what it says in his word in Revelation. So I was really interested. That's, that, the valley is really long. That's one end of it. It goes way up as well. And it was a wonderful trip and the impact of praying for Jerusalem and praying for Israel was really strong. When I, you know, seeing those ultra-Orthodox Jewish people who are under, still under the Old Testament and they read the Torah at the Wailing Wall and they we just need to pray for them because God has a plan for Israel. His heart is for Israel. And so he tells us in his word, actually he tells us in Psalm 122 and 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Well, there's a blessing in that, isn't there? But my heart went out to the Jewish people, the ultra-Orthodox Jews. Christianity is there, but you know, and, and that's probably growing, but it's hard in a country that's very Jewish. There's a lot of Muslim people. So what did I get out of the trip? Really, God's redemptive plan for man. Isn't, you know, he had a plan before the world was even formed. He he's had a plan of redemption for us that you know, goes back thousands of years. The covenant to Abraham, Jesus coming and dying for us. Uh, I also got an amazing night. We got to see Bethel worship. Bethel were over there in Israel at the same time. So Jess and Amy, you know, we got tickets and we went and we saw Bethel. It was in an old Roman theatre, was outside. It was just beautiful night of worship and prayer. So how blessed were we? We travelled to Israel and we saw Bethel. Uh, and also, when I was there, 
God said to me, I said, you know, I'm just going to read some psalms. He said, I want you to write a psalm. I want you to write a psalm every day. So I did. I just let the words flow. And I'm just going to share one psalm with you. I think there were 16 psalms, one for every day. Okay. Psalm number four. And it's, this is what I felt God was leading me to write down. Watch over us, Lord. Protect us, Lord. Guide us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. This is why we're in Israel. Your provision is amazing. You bless us daily with new wonders. You show us awesome sights. You shower us with love and blessings. Your love is unfathomable. You pour it out over us. It is like an anointing oil, soothing and caressing, never running out as it washes over us like summer rain. And you know, that's what it was like there. Every step was, you know, under his protection. Every step, there was his provision. Everything went smoothly. You know, you just felt the showering and the love of his anointing oil just flowing over us. And I'm just going to leave it there and pass it over to Jess. That's it. Thanks, Pastor Jen. Well, I'm just going to skip through a few of mine and just uh, give you a few. We didn't overlap too much, actually, Jen. You, you spoke a bit about um, Abraham. I didn't really put much of him in. But, um, yeah, the first one, this is actually where we went, roughly, so um, we got to see a lot, a lot of Israel. And like Jen said, we just had favour from the moment we took off, from the moment we touched down in Australia. Our tour guides actually said, you know, um, normally to cross through these Palestinian borders, you can be there for, you know, hours. We all had our passports just in case. When we went, it was straight through. We didn't even get stopped. You know, some places like where Jesus was born, it can take a few hours to even just get in. We were in and out within an hour so the favour of God was definitely on it. And I just touch on this as well, Jen, I know you had this scripture, but as you can see, get out of the way, all the green, Israel is actually surrounded by nations that are currently opposing them. It's quite astounding, isn't it? So that's why, just like Pastor Jen said, we're called to pray for Israel. Amen. Psalm 122, 6 to 7. Pray for the peace of Israel. May they prosper who love you. And I know Jen said that, uh, verse 2. Okay, next one. Now, I put this one in just for a bit of a laugh. <laughs> so what you're looking at there is a sign that was up at one of the beaches. Yes, it is uh, a beach for specific genders on specific days. I'm like, well, at least one country got it right, you know. They know a man's a man and a woman's a woman, right? That's what we believe in the beginning. God created the male and female, not 15 other genders. So I thought that's just quite funny. And we had a lady on our trip who went and sat on the beach and with her husband, sat on that particular beach with her husband, just, oh, just relax for a few hours. And she had a, a man come up to her and start shouting at her in Hebrew. And she's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And then his co-worker who spoke English came over and said, I'm sorry, it's men only on this beach. You, go, you have to go up to the other beach. She's like, you don't need to tell me twice. I am a woman. <laughs> so that was quite funny. Okay, what you're looking at here is actually uh, a pagan temple that was set up in the land of Dan. You know, the um, 12 tribes all were allotted uh, a piece of the kingdom. And um, when the two kingdoms split, uh, there were two kings after Solomon, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. 
I was like, God, couldn't it have been like Rehoboam and Frank or Rehoboam and Bob? They're so similar, those names. Anyway, I'm having a bit of a laugh at that. But so 10 of the tribes went with Jeroboam, two of the tribes went with Rehoboam. And uh, the tribes that had, the, uh, had Jerusalem in their land, the other king, he was a very jealous king and an insecure king. So what he did was he set up pagan temples in his section of the land. So the people, because he thought if the people go over to Jerusalem and sacrifice there, their hearts are going to be turned away. So what he did was he set up pagan temples and golden calves uh, in Bethel and in Dan and said to the people, just go and worship here. And, you know, something happened when we were at that exact location. And I thought, wow, this is a location where the people, uh, the Israelites, their hearts were turned away from God. They were, you know, worshipping um, foreign gods. But when we were there, we uh, just walked a little bit further around the corner and we started to hear some music and we're like, oh, what's that? And as we got closer, it was uh, in Spanish and it was a, gl- a group um, that were just having a bit of worship there. They had someone on the guitar. And it's like, you know, as we walked up, the words weren't familiar. But what was familiar was the presence of God. You know, and I just thought, wow, the stark difference, just like Pastor Jen was saying, between the two covenants. You know, in the old covenant, there was prescribed places of worship. There were prescribed ways to worship. But in the new covenant, God says, come boldly. Amen. So we walk into this this beautiful worship and we just stand with this group of people trying to sort of join in, although we couldn't sing the words. But we just had an amazing worship session with this group and and that was just such a blessing. And, And so I'll just read Hebrews 8 and it starts off by saying, I've got verse 7 up. I'll start from verse 7. It says, For if that covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. And so I think really to understand what we've got in Christ, we, we do sometimes have to understand how it was for those before us. You know, just to realise this precious gift of salvation. God doesn't want to fill buildings anymore. He wants to fill hearts. He wants to fill people. We carry the presence of God. Verse 9, because finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. And you know, there's a difference between being led by the hand and being led by the heart. You know, I lead my kids by the hand. Come on, let's go. And there's not much heart in it. But under the new covenant, God leads us by the heart. And it says in here, verse 10, For this is the covenant they'll make with the house of Israel, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I'll be their God and they will be my people. And then it just goes on. I won't read the next two just for time's sake. But um, we now worship in spirit and in truth. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, for any man being Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ. So I guess when I was there, I just had this fresh sense of appreciation. Wow, we actually carry the presence of God. 
We are his hands and feet. We are his mouthpiece on the earth. All right, slide five. I'm nearly done. I've only got two more. You guys good? Good for another few minutes? Okay, so this is um, actually the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus did one of his very uh, famous, famous sermons. And so he actually spent 70% of his ministry around the area of uh, Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee. And you can see in the background, that's actually the Sea of Galilee there. And there's a H missing. So it said, blessed are those who hunger. I'm not too sure what that is, but we know it's hunger. <laughs> so, you know, when you're up there, it's, it's, I was sort of imagining, okay, he's called these disciples average guys, they're fishermen, you know, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And you can just imagine Jesus sitting down and beginning to teach the people. And you can just picture yourself being there and actually how radical Jesus' ministry really was, how, how the people just clung on to every single word because they'd never heard anything like it, you know? What have I got there? For you are the light of the world. A city on a hill should not be hidden. They will be looking around going, us, we're the light of, like, what do you mean? We've got, you know, Aunt Joe there who's got a broken arm. We've got the sick, we're homeless, we're under Roman government. How are we going to be the light of the world? He's talking about him in them. You know, he read out the blessings and curses. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn they would have been thinking, where are the curses? You know, if we go to Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses are blessings, but the rest up to, I think it's about verse 60, are curses. But who knows what it says about Jesus becoming a curse for us. Hallelujah, he took our penalty. Amen. That we might receive the promise by faith. Hallelujah. This is my last slide Jerusalem wow this is an amazing city it's almost like you've stepped back in time when you go to Jerusalem you know you fly into Tel Aviv it could be like you're in Hawaii it's a very progressive city very modern going into Jerusalem is is really something very special you got Jerusalem's broken up into four different quarters you got the Muslim quarter the Jewish quarter the Christian quarter and the Armenian quarter you know, so going in there, it's like, for me, I was like, gosh, you got all these people. There's, there's busyness. There's a lot of religion. They're all, they all have an agenda. They're all seeking after something that God has already given. You know, and, and I think like Pastor Jen said, it's like, I just had this realisation of, wow, um, being in the truth and being in the gospel is not something to be, oh, yeah. It's like, no, there, there is a lot of people who are st still have their hearts uh, blinded to that. John 6, uh, 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And so this is, again, how radical Jesus' teaching was. He's saying it could be done no other way. He's saying I am the only way, you know? Hallelujah. And he gave his life so willingly for us, church. Amen. So kind of cut that a bit short there, but um, why don't we all stand?
We just thank you, Father God. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we have salvation. Lord God, that you revealed your plan in your Son, that you said, if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. Lord God, we just thank you, Father, that we are a people who walk in truth. Father God, that it's not about works. Lord, it's not about our perfect obedience. Father God, but it's always about your Son and what he did. So we just thank you, Father God. Praise you, Lord. And I just want to make an invitation here this morning. You know, if you aren't in relationship with the Lord Jesus, He doesn't want your good works. He wants personal relationship with you. If you don't know Him like that, I just want you to come forward at the end of the service and we can pray a prayer with you. And the Bible says you'll be translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, out of the kingdom of darkness, the most precious gift ever given to mankind. And if you have any other prayer needs, guys, just feel, need, feel free to come forward healing. If you want us to stand and agree with you for anything, the pastors will be up the front. So Father God, we just thank you for everything that you've done this morning, Lord God. We just give you the glory, Father. Lord, we just give ourselves to you afresh this morning, Lord. We just say, have your way, Lord. Have your way in every single day, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Why don't we give the Lord a clap? Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. And we're going to have some morning tea, guys. Please don't rush off. We'd love to, um, for you to hang around and, and chat and meet you. Amen.